We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Can any tight end in 2023 approximate Travis Kelsey fantasy production? We're going to explore that much more in this range of outcomes episode on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick. I'm joined by Dave Cabin. We're continuing the range of outcomes tour through all of the uh, different positions on rotoviz.com. It's a great tool that Dave has refreshed yet again for the 2023 season. And man, you know, I like to keep it positive, Dave, always looking at the bright side <laughs> of things. We're going to look at the high end outcomes, obviously, uh, for all these players. How are you doing this week? I hope you had a restful weekend after the grind uh, last week. Oh, I appreciate it. I am doing doing very well. I am about six teams now into the subjective projections that I do for the site every Ooh. year, letting yeah. those be informed by the range of outcomes results that we had. We are into the real nitty gritty now. So I am, you know, flying high on that endeavor hope that you are doing uh good as well sir man it's good it is good to switch gears just a tiny bit um the uh the youngest so miles my six-year-old we're we're in the final week of the regular season for coach pitch and we got pants tonight dude. oh boy we just got <laughs> oh boy we got pants it was 18 to 2 it was not don't spit your drink out um <laughs> we're the locked four seed for the tournament and we played the lock one seed tonight they're undefeated they have like all the travel kids on their team, even though they're seven years old. Uh, and we're the expansion squad. So, you know, we were a little out of our game, out of our league this uh, th- uh, in this one tonight. But, um, you know, hey, it keeps things in perspective. It was a good good life lessons uh, post-game huddle uh, with the little kiddos. Um, but, yeah, otherwise, man, I, I'm ready to keep drafting. I got enrolled in best balls uh, 35 through 45 for best ball mania four. Nice. Over the past couple of days, so I'm I'm nearing the quarter. I think uh, I guess the quarter mark for all of those best ball tournaments, and you know that that's why I love you know kind of this range of outcomes exercise uh, with all of the upside and you know it getting the best out of any situation. Um, just trying to high, find high value. That's what we're really at about Rotoviz, Dave. We got a special treat 
for the listeners before we actually get into the range of outcomes for this position tonight, a special uh, sponsor for this episode, it's Bird Dogs. And Bird Dogs is basically catching on like wildfire the past couple of years. If you remember, I don't know if your wife ever got into the Lululemon stuff, you know, athleisure, all about looking good and being comfortable. Bird Dogs is kind of the same deal uh, for guys and they're hooking us up, Dave. I don't know if you heard. They're hooking us up. I'm pretty excited um, about it. Yeah. We were just checking yeah, I'm, I'm in. I were checking excited out. About I'm excited. I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm going on vacation, going down to Florida. I want some stuff that's going to be cool. Uh, maybe a new outfit to look nice uh, in front of the wife uh, here. This one will be a surprise. And I don't necessarily have to pay for it, but I can get it at a discount uh, for the listeners. So here's the, here's really the skinny. Bird, bird dogs are stretch khaki uh, shorts and pants. They fit a little bit slimmer. Uh, through the thigh and the leg, giving you a little bit of the sculpted look, but not too clingy to where it looks like your pants are painted on. I mean, it's fit really nice move uh, with your body. You can actually like, you know, those of you got little kids, you can like bend down uh, without mooning everybody or worrying <laughs> that the crotch is going to rip out. Maybe even do a power squat in these things, oh, Dave. Oh, wow. They, they just fit better than regular shorts, better than regular pants. Uh, and it's really because they invented cloud knit fabric. It looks like khaki, but it stretches way better. So you get a slimmer fit without sacrificing movement. You know, I think of uh, it's always sunny. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yep, they do the, they do the renovations and yep. they're trying to get as low yep. as they yeah. can go. <laughs> uh, you do not have to cut off jean shorts to get low in a in a pair of bird dogs. Uh, and then Dave, I mean, for the guys, they use anti stink sweat wicking fabric, keeps you cool and dry all day long. I'm wondering if I could put these things through a pace on the golf course. Sounds like maybe I could. Uh, if you want to l- learn more, you can go to birddogs.com. That's B-I-R-D-D-O-G-S, birddogs.com slash pool, P-O-O-L. If you uh, use promo code pool, you'll get a Yeti style tumbler for free with your order. So that's birddogs.com slash pool, and you get a free tumbler with your order. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. All right. This is where you hit the drop, and now we get into the content. All right. I, I'm still trying to recover. I'm too excited about this bird dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this this clothing. I'm, I'm looking at the – I got to transition here. All right. Anyway. I, close, the, close the windows. Let's yep. focus on right. if anybody can dethrone Travis Kelsey, and if not, who can come the closest. Obviously, Travis Kelsey is going to be the ruler of the range of outcomes tool yet again. If you missed our you know, segments last week, uh, the range of outcomes tool is informed by – a player's two most recent seasons and uh, 50 similar seasons um, from our huge uh, historical data set. And we come up with, you know, the tool comes up with rather a range of outcomes for that player in the upcoming season uh, informed by all those historical seasons. So we've got you know, kind of midpoint projections. We've got low end at the 25th percentile, high end at the 75th percentile. Travis Kelsey, once again, sitting atop, tight end mountain at 18.3 PPR as a high end uh, projection. And that's actually under what he's even done, I think in some recent seasons, Dave. So anything notable about his projection or you just want to start talking about other players? I'll, I'll just say that the notable thing about it is that uh, if you look in the top 10 matches for Travis Kelsey, you see Travis Kelsey five times, the three closest <laughs> Travis Kelsey. And and really the reason is, is that, uh, you know, he's yeah. just in a, in a class all of his own. Uh, they're just, a, you know, 
besides Rob Gronkowski, who's basically the only other player in these matches, it's just almost unprecedented territory. Just insane. Yeah, when the only... I mean, this is the definition of Hall of Fame. It's the definition of one of a kind. It's the definition of generational, right? Like, this is actual generational. When, yes. you're the, when the only player that matches to you in player sim exercises is yourself, <laughs> that's generational. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, respect to Travis Kelsey uh, for those of you keeping score on underdog uh, ADP. Um, he has been going over the past two weeks at 6.6. So he's a mid first round pick and we have a, a total chasm, two full rounds before the next tight end uh, even gets thought of, you know, over on FFPC, if you're playing best ball there, my another place we're partnering with, we have great tools for their games as well. I mean, it's tight end premium over there, Dave. So, I mean, all bets are off. I mean, oh. Kelsey is truly in one-on-one uh, consideration sure. in that format still. And then in Dynasty, I mean, I know you and I are co-own a couple of teams over at FFPC. And, you know, we've got rid of his Triflex leagues filling over there right now. I mean, I'm still viewing Kelsey as a multi-year asset, man. Like, I, I'm still trying to draft him in startups. He's starting to slide. It's unwarranted. Uh, this tool is not making me feel any worse about any of those decisions. Yeah, definitely not. I mean, pretty much any league that you are looking to play in this year, I think that Travis Kelsey is just a tremendous asset to have on your team. I mean, across formats, pretty much, Curtis, I'm always feeling great about drafting Travis Kelsey. And one of the reasons is, is though there are a couple of other players I like at the position, if you look at that historical distribution score for him, he's almost like, quadrupling up decent options, <laughs> right? Like later in the draft, yeah. even his closest yeah. uh, competition, Mark Andrews, he's still 30 points above yeah. in historical distribution score. Last year, I tried to um, try to get ahead of the curve on Kelsey in terms of, you know, preparing for when it, when he might slip off. It does not look to be on the horizon. Yeah, how that work out? It did not work out. It did not <laughs> work out very well. Yeah. Um, you know, fortunately, I think we have him on a team of ours. You know, he's still going to anchor that for a couple of oh, years. Yeah. It's just you can't say enough good things about Travis Kelsey. Yeah, so, poster child for value-based uh, drafting strategy. Yeah. Okay, so so I think the real question is, oh, and then for those of you who maybe are a little bit for, more familiar with the range of outcomes tool, obviously for this episode, we're focusing on the high-end projections, but... If you, if you sort the tight end position by midpoint projection or low point projection, Travis Kelsey rates number one in every single possible iteration. He literally has the highest ceiling, highest midpoint, and highest floor of all tight ends in the tool. And actually, can I even just take this one step further? <laughs> sure. If you look at wide receivers, because I actually think this is important to the discussion oh, that we're yeah. having. If yeah. you look at wide receivers and you look at uh, historical distribution score, there are only about 18 wide receivers ahead of him. He scores in there with guys like DK Metcalf and Mike Williams ahead of guys like Amari Cooper uh, right in, in the zone with Marquise Brown and Keenan Allen. So that's what you are looking at with Travis Kelsey yeah. this year. Yeah. All right, so the race is on for tight end two, and I think the big question is, you know, there's been an versus prior years, uh, you could either call it an overcorrection, or you know, some might argue it's a it's just an actual correction. 
um, for where tight end two is going in relation to tight end one. You know, last year I really felt like, you know, Pitts and Andrews in particular really were driven up the board because people were like, ah, they could get a little bit closer. If this is the year that Kelsey falls off, I want the two and I'm getting all this value by waiting six to 10 slots and taking the tight end two or three off the board. Well, this year, everyone's just saying, you know, to heck with that, you know, I'm just waiting until, you know, the middle of round three before I even consider, uh, you know, Mark Andrews, you know, he's got an ADP of 30.8. The next two tight ends off the board go in round five at 50.6 and 59.6 respectively, TJ Hawkinson and George Kittle. So let's focus on that trio for a minute. Andrews, Hawkinson, Kittle, you know, the high end for Mark Andrews looks like 17.4. It's actually less than a point separating uh, he and Kelsey contextually. um, His data set is also filled with, you know, some non Lamar Jackson games um, from last year. And then, you know, with George Kittle, you know, he's at 16.5, less than two points separate uh, he and Kittle on the high end projection. And the Niners, you know, really had all of the topsy turvy quarterback stuff going on yet again. Last year, that really feels like, I guess, it's been more, probably been the balance of uh, Kittle's career that he's been dealing with that type of stuff. And then TJ Hawkinson, um, you know, who now plays with the Vikings. We've got the hole from uh, Adam Thielen moving over to Carolina. How quickly will Jordan Addison get up off of the ground? He comes in at 16.1, so just 2.2 points below Kelsey. You know, looking at these distributions and then considering some of the team context, Dave, do you feel like Andrews Kittle Hawkinson and this tool is the correct order, or do you feel that Andrews Hawkinson Kittle, which is how drafters are ordering these guys, is the correct order? I think that it is Andrew Hawkinson, Andrews Hawkinson Kittle. So I think the way that the tool has it is community the, wisdom. All right. Yep. Is yep. is the way that I would lean. That said, in my mind, um, Andrews and Hawkinson are a little bit separated from Kittle, I think. Now, some of that might be because of the fact that uh, this tool is permeating into how I'm viewing things. Uh, But I will say, what I've been drafting, um, in my mind, uh, Kittle has not entered like the conversation of, do I make the move and go with the tight end here in the way that Hawkinson and Andrews have. And even if I'm removing positional concerns from it and just looking at players that are available at those points in the draft, I found myself a lot more compelled to go after Andrews and Hawkinson than Kittle. So let's zoom in on, on Andrews a little bit. Um, man, he does have, and I'll have to, you know, see who these matches were. He does have a, you know, one of those crazy yep. matches where you get up, you know, well over 20 points uh, per game in a season. I wonder if he's matching to a prior Kelsey season. We're talking about all those Kelsey seasons. Yeah, he is. It's, he, tw- it's 2020. Uh, so it was 2019 Travis Kelsey who in 2020 put up 21 PPR per game. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable. And I mean, like going a little bit further into the context, you know, the Ravens are making massive changes to their offense, you know, this season, this is not, this is not, oh, well, will Andrew score enough touchdowns and the low volume passing offense this year, finally? You know, this is different. You know, I think, you know, in some ways, I, I mean, in some ways, it's it's easier to buy into the idea that Andrews would get closer to Kelsey this year than it was last year because the Ravens have said they want Lamar to run less. Now, that could mean several different things. It could mean they're just, they're going to keep running as much and they're just going to have, you know, 
Dobbins and Edwards uh, run it, or it could mean that they actually do plan to move the ball you know, through the air a lot more. And Andrews is the, by far, even with all the investments they've made at wide receiver, he's still the biggest matchup problem uh, for any opposing defense there. So, you know, if, if the Ravens throw the ball, you know, six to eight more times per game and, you know, he continue, uh, continues his target market share that he's had, you know, over the past you know couple of years, you know, we could see him take, you know, a Kelsian type type leap forward. And I think it would be easier to buy than the case that was being made, you know, last year, which was a negative case against Kelsey, whereas instead this would be a positive case uh, for Andrew. So I kind of like that. I like the mid third round there. Um, and you can sometimes get an Andrews Jackson stack even yes. in rounds three, four after starting, you know, other positions around one, two. So even in, in team building context, you know, that's, that's pretty interesting. Whereas if you get into the, you know, Hawkinson and Kittle situations, they are easy to stack with quarterbacks later because of where their, their quarterbacks are going. Um, but you, you know, you know, that's a range where maybe you're getting into your running back two. You might be trying to get your wide receiver four there. Not a lot of com- competition from the quarterbacks in that range. So, you know, I don't feel like you necessarily have to target aggressively Hawkinson and Kittle where you do have to target Andrews a little bit more. Um, but but I think I agree with you uh, that the drafters have this right. I think that Hawkinson's uh, ceiling and floor just a, a bit better than Kittle's. Um, and that's before even adjusting for the the injury history uh, relative to, to each player. Anything you want to add on that trio before we go a little bit further down the ADP list? No, I think you hit all of the, all of the points that we had there. Just the only other comment would be uh, behind them. I think there's a pretty large separation between them and, and, and the rest of the pack. Uh, the only player that you could maybe make a case kind of sits mm-hmm. in like a, there's one. Do we give him away? I don't want right, to. Let's right. not say him yet. We're right, going right, to get to him. All right. right. All right. All right. I, we're probably going to say the same guy. Okay. Um, so next from an ADP perspective, let, I mean, let's see how consistent the uh, range of outcomes tool stays with ADP. So, so now we got to go outside the top six rounds or outside the top five rounds rather. And I think the goal here would be to identify players that while they may not have Kelsey like upside, can they get into the, the, let's just even say that Hawkinson and Kittle range, you know, even if we say, Hey, Andrews is a clear cut above those two guys at two rounds earlier, do any of these guys have the upside to get into that Hawkinson Kittle range at a discount so that we can prior prioritize other players um, in round six of our drafts? So we've got Dallas Goddard and Kyle Pitts um, both going in the sixth round. Then we have Darren Waller going toward the end of the seventh, Evan Ingram in the eighth. And in the ninth round, we have David and Joku and Pat Fryermuth. I think this is, you know, these are the guys that if you're taking them, they are going to be the tight end one for your squad. You know, you're probably not doubling up yet in this range. So of these guys, you know, it'd be nice to pick right. And then it would be nice to, you know, build a heavy exposure to that player. So Dave, what's the tool saying about Pitts, Goddard, Waller, Ingram, and Joku Fryermuth? Any of these guys rising above the rest? Well, let's just start with the fact that it hates Kyle Pitts. Um, and, you know, you can dispel some of it by saying that the quarterback situation is going to be different, uh, that he is this talented prospect still early on uh, in his career. But when you look at how players that have produced these stats that he have has 
in that two-year window historically have done in the subsequent years. Uh, there are players in more than the majority of it that uh, are just all beneath 10 points, and then there's a pretty dramatic drop down. I mean, you only have one player in, in his year N plus one grouping here that got higher than 15 PPR. If we're doing an exercise here where we're looking for players oh, that could man. play their way into yeah. a lot of upside, it's just hard to find the case that gets you there. Um, you know, from a historical distribution score perspective, which I think figures in a lot of different things, he's actually in the negative, which again goes back to the fact Oof. that uh, you're pretty much not going to get uh, 10 points per game from Kyle Pitts. So I don't think I need to go much further there than just saying that yeah. he's kind of ruled out. I know you want to hold on to him, but interestingly, Curtis, when you look at this group of players here, and I'm actually going to continue going down this rabbit hole a little bit, you see a lot of guys that were similar. Maybe they didn't get quite as much hype, but Eric Ebron, player oh, that had a lot of hype, never That's really put name. it together. That's a deadly name for a Kyle Pitts comparison. Right? They just kind of teased you. You get Kobe Fleener, who if people remember when he went to the Saints, yeah. uh, there was a lot of talk about him kind of coming into his own. That situation never really came to pass. You have Mike Gesicki, another player that people were pretty high on, oh, never came to pass. And I know that Pitts is in a different level of talent from them, but it really underscores the point of you do reach a certain point where if things never really got put together, they just mm. tend to not get put together. Noah fans in there as well. I mean, his listing here is just riddled with tight ends that teased us and never really got over the hump, except you do have TJ Hawkinson in there. Uh, that's like one name you could kind of cling on to. Uh, but there's a lot of guys here that just kind of, like I said, kept teasing us, making you think that they could do it, and then they never really put it together. Yeah, I think my immediate comment is, like, you just built a Mount Rushmore of tight end teases. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I'm probably destined to be following, drafting Kyle Pitts down the ADP escalator until – Eventually in 2025, I'm talking about him as around 14 value play. Sure. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's like, right. And it's going to be, you know, when he's in, in, in his second stint, you know, he's going to be playing for like the Arizona Cardinals or something. Yeah. Final thing um, to say on Kyle Pitts. And yeah. I don't have the numbers behind this, but I am pretty sure that if I were to build something that was going to do a similar exercise and look at like dynasty value, even if I was factoring in draft position and what have you he would still come up far behind where people want him to be. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, you know, I think this is enlightening. Um, he's going at 67.5 and underdog ADP over the last two weeks. Uh, positionally, that's tight end five. You know, as I, as I thumb through the range of outcomes app, he's tight end 11 on his high end and he's worse than that in his midpoint and low point. Right. So, you know, if you're looking at historical, if you're looking at the historical data and, and trying to, you know, follow the trends, I mean, there's, you know, outliers exist, but, uh, he would actually be, you know, maybe one of the most mispriced players. Um, if you were going to follow this thing really closely, he would be one of the most mispriced players probably on the underdog best ball draft board right now. Um, that's plenty on him. That's a referendum. I think, um, let's move on to some other players. So, uh, the other guys that I mentioned, Dave, Darren Waller, Dallas Goddard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku and Pat Fryermuth. You you made a negative case, or I guess that the app makes a negative case for Pitts. Who amongst those players stands out as a a, a positive who can approximate Hawkinson and Kittle? Sure. So the player that has the best chance of doing it, would be Dallas Goddard. I think some of this comes from if you look at where he is in his career, and then if I just read a couple of the names of players that Goddard matches with, with I think you would get it. You have guys in there like Hawkinson. You actually do pull in a Travis Kelsey season. Interestingly, Curtis, his number one closest match was Travis Kelsey's year three, in 2015 Goddard's going into his sixth year. So it's a little bit different, but if you go down a couple of steps, you also see 2016 Travis Kelsey, which was his year four. Hawkinson gets in there. Um, Those are positive things. If you look at the distribution overall, it produces an HDS of 25, which kind of puts him in this middle zone between some of these other players and uh, the players that we mentioned above him, then you see he has his largest distributions around eight to 10 points, but actually more players falling on the positive side of that than on the negative. So you have not a tremendous amount of, of downside with some upside and a pretty good case being made that at the very least you're going to approximate the scoring that you would expect for where you would be drafting Goddard. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, you know, in comparison to everybody else, I think that there's a bit of a separation. He's almost in a tier of his own based on what you see in the range of outcomes tool. And then the final piece I would add on to that is given the other context that we have and the offense that he's going to be playing in, I also think that holds if I'm going through the exercise of more subjectively trying to build out some type of ranking or, you know, subjectively think through a possible range of outcomes. So, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, of the players, there's probably three candidates, you know, from the six that I listed uh, that I would feel comfortable placing a bet on to to approximate Kittle and Hawkinson's production. Goddard of those three is the safest play. I definitely think he has the highest floor. And I also agree with the upside case. I mean, just thinking about the Eagles taking another step forward with that offense this year, um, teams having to basically pick the poison between, you know, those perimeter wide receiver options 
versus uh, prioritizing, you know, scheming against Goddard. Kind of seems like he's always going to be yeah. the guy that can't be prioritized. And at what point will Hurts settle into not forcing the ball? I, I do think that there's something to the idea that he could have a huge, you know, really huge year, one of these years. Um, two players that sit just, you know, maybe from a probability standpoint, a half tier below Goddard, but are actually in the same tier when you just look at their upside in the app. Um, actually, 0.3 points above him is Darren Waller. Now, Darren Waller, older in his career, switching teams, but I love him going to, you know, to the Giants with Brian Dayball. And, you know, in contrast to Goddard, if Waller's just healthy, he's the best pass catcher on the Giants offense. <laughs> right. So he actually could, you know, when I think about a player that could be the feature pass catcher in his offense, you know, Waller sets up perfectly. Uh, amongst the players in the the tier that we just talked about, even Pitts, even if you just ignore all of the historical distribution and you just want to say like, he's, you know, so talented and he's still dealing with Drake London, who was, you know, a similar age, you know, high end draft pick. I mean, Waller's dealing with a bunch of small, you know, bit players basically. And then, a, you know, a late round pick that kind of broke out at the end of the year with his, you know, several teams down the road and Isaiah Hodgins. So, I mean, it's, it's Waller's show until it's not Waller's show. Um, That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, the age and the injury history are the, the, the issues. When I look at their ADPs, you know, Goddard's going 71.9. Um, Waller is the neck at, at tight end six. And then Waller is tight end seven, but he's going 82.3. He's available almost around later. Now, I feel much more solid about what the Eagles offense is going to be this year. And so... You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know if Waller would straight up get over Goddard ever in like my redraft rankings or best ball rankings for this year, mm -hmm. but he's going to end up on a lot more teams because of the price. Right. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I would say that. And then the other guy, Dave, is a, a player that we've both been pretty high on. And I think it's an offense that could take a step forward. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the year two quarterback leap here in fantasy. Uh, over the years, and this is a situation, even though it's an older quarterback, it is just his second year you know, with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Kenny Pickett. Can Pat Fryermuth, could this be the year that he has a breakout? Um, we do have Deontay Johnson, who looking a little bit less efficient, not scoring touchdowns. George Pickens, who seems to be, you know, maybe more of a, a dynamic number two than a true alpha could Fryermuth um, emerge? What's the app say about him? Yeah, so the app likes Fryermuth, uh, I would say, a lot in comparison to his ADP. From an overall distribution perspective, he sits just a little bit ahead of Waller uh, and behind Goddard, like I said prior, from uh, a, a little bit uh, substantial um, distance between Goddard and Fryermuth. But if you look at the distribution, uh, it's one that uh, is pretty nice. You have a number of players going beyond 10 points per game. You have a couple of guys getting into that 17 range. The matching players for Fryermuth as he moves into his year three, you do see guys like Zach Ertz, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson, a couple of solid names in there, and you see repeats of those players. Um, so it has him too, which is um, pretty nice, Curtis. If you look at uh, the 2023 per game range of outcomes, has him getting to an average of 9.6 PPR, a high of 14.6, um, and a low of 6.4. Uh, 
uh, which, you know, that doesn't inspire you too much, but for a tight end, that's actually a decent range of outcome. So my biggest takeaway is uh, you start looking through all of the players in here. Fryermuth definitely stands out as one that the tool likes a lot more than his than his ADP. I think you're you're muted. How many times are you going to tell me that? I, I, I know. I've really got to. I've got to move my rig back to the office, man. I'm just getting too comfy out here uh, in, the, <laughs> in the kitchen. Yeah. Um. So the other the way that we could look at this, um, you, you know, I think these high ends, for the most part, these high ends would only be even more true on FFPC with the premium, um, because the upside with a lot of these guys is tied, you know, really to the receptions. If we go a little bit the other direction, you know, and really hone in on underdog. Um, just to highlight a couple of small differences and look at the half PPR settings. Dave, there's only, for, for the midpoint, there's only 11 tight ends that even have a midpoint range of outcomes at seven half PPR points or greater. I mean, that is how dire um, the position is. And if we want to look at tiers above that, I mean, there's a lot of people sandwiched between seven and eight points. There's only five tight ends with a midpoint range of outcomes projection and half PPR of above eight points. Yeah. And Goddard of the people that we just talked about, Goddard is the only tight end that leaps into that Kittle Hawkinson area uh, between eight, and nine points. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. does make sense contextually thinking about the Eagles offense, the extra touchdowns that he might score. If you assume that volume could be similar uh, for the rest of these players. So, you know, I, I kind of like that as a separating factor and in, in particular for under underdog. Um, if you want to lower the bar just slightly, to 7.5, you actually get all three of those focused players. So the only other two players that join in, if we lower the bar to 7.5, are Fryer, Muth, and Waller. All of their tight ends below that um, threshold. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think um, that gives some useful context there for best ball purposes um, across formats. There's one other player that I, I want to highlight here, Curtis. Uh, if you are looking down this list, do you think you can identify who it's going to be? Well, I feel like you, I feel like you told me the name. Okay. I, did, did <laughs> I, I feel like you told me the name in the pre-show. Okay. So I, I should have feigned okay. that I don't already know. Why don't you just tell everyone? All right. Juwan Johnson. And I will I, tell you why. I like it, man. I like it. Juwan Johnson. Now, this isn't anything earth-shattering here, but I will say that uh, when I have been in underdog drafts this year, I think he's going somewhere around like tight end 18 to tight end 20. Now, if you look at the distribution for him, you will see it's not going to be like any of those players we mentioned prior, but you do have some players sneaking their way into uh, pretty surprising years going over 10 PPR per game. Um, and keep in mind, like I said, you're getting him much later in the draft. So in comparison to players that are going rounds ahead of him, um, he has, if not a better outlook than them, for example, better outlook than Kyle Pitts. He's kind of in line with guys like Greg Delsich, like Tyler Higby that you see ahead of him. Uh, is expected to score 0.2 touchdowns per game, gets him to an average of 7.2 PPR. Now, again, this probably doesn't sound that impressive, but I also think that uh, in the confines of the Saints offense, 
uh, with the changes that we're going to see there this year. Johnson looks like a player that should be factoring in. This isn't going to be a pick that's going to win you a league, but maybe it pushes you forward, uh, you know, a week here, a week there. So uh, he's another one of those guys that stood out to me as I looked through these results. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I mean, first and foremost, in the big board on uh, underdog before the NFL draft, I had 28% Jawan Johnson. He was my number one uh, exposure at tight end. Looking at the NFL weekly stat explorer from last year and half PPR, Jawan Johnson had five tight end one weeks. Um, you know, he had uh, five games greater than 11 half PPR points, including a 17.7 outburst against Arizona in week seven and a 20.7 half PPR explosion against Atlanta in week 15. Um, that Saints offense should take a step forward. I think they'll be improved with Carr, you know, uh, Olave taking a step forward, uh, perhaps a healthy Michael Thomas. And, you know, I know they asked, uh, they added Foster Moreau. And I mean, actually, if they hadn't added Moreau and, and we had that, you know, history of that battery between him and Carr uh, prior, you know, if, if we didn't have that, I think Johnson by this point would really be a player gaining some steam. Yeah. Um, but because of, you know, Moreau's health, it's a feel good story. You know, thank goodness that he, you know, he's healthy, um, you know, battling cancer and he's going to be able to play. Um, you know, that's all good. Uh, everything about that is great. But I, th- you know, Johnson kind of flashed a little bit last year. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, you know, he was tight end 16 in the team target market share and a team that hadn't really figured itself out. And he was six, tight end six in air yards per target, Dave. So, you know, he's really a weapon. It's just going to depend on, you know, like, did he get that role because the team was missing yeah. Michael Thomas and, you know, what he brought to the offense and is that going to kind of go away now? Um, or could he actually be, you know, a, a threat regardless of, um, you know, some of those other uh, new entrants to, to their offense. But um, I like I like that. I've gotten away from him a little bit. And best ball mania four. Um, I'm still slightly overexposed, just um, at you know nine percent. I think I have one extra share. Um, you know, at ADP for whatever reason, and maybe this will be the player that we end the episode on. Um, for whatever reason, later in drafts, I've been veering more into Mike Gesicki in best ball mania four than Jawan Johnson, and, and it was inverted yeah. uh, earlier uh, in the process. So. Can you give me anything on Gesicki um, from the app? He's a he's a perennial road of his favorite. Well, Sean uh, and I were talking about what to do with him in <laughs> Dynasty like two months ago when we were doing pre- prepping for our FFPC Dynasty drafts, and it's, we kind of both just arrived at we'll never quit Gesicki. Well, I, I the first thing I'll say here is that I would really like to find a lot of good nuggets here to share on Gesicki <laughs> because he's one of those players. I didn't mean for it to happen, but he's my most uh, rostered tight end right now on underdog. He's over 20%, actually. I think some of that's a function of just where he is. Uh, we have a lot of we have a lot of dough on Gesicki. I, I think I'm at thirty four. <laughs> I'm at thirty four percent right now. Yeah, I gotta I, cool it. I gotta cool it. Yeah, the app doesn't really uh, paint um, much of a, uh, of a of a great picture here. In fact, I've got to search for Gesicki, and I don't think he's even on his high, his high end is at, at a ten point PPR. Yep. Okay, his mid is lower, atrocious. Um. You know, the high end at 10, you know, if we go back to, you know, where's his, where's his ADP sitting here? 
you know, I think versus some of the other players going in that range, I think you can, you know, the reason to buy into Gasicki is that he would work out. He's tied in 24, mm-hmm. an underdog right now. I mean, he's barely being drafted. His ADP is right around 200 over the last two weeks. So, I mean, you get, if he did hit that high end, I mean, you know, you, you are rolling in dough. Yeah, on that. so he, here's but a positive for The him. low end is the problem. If you look at, of among his group of players that did improve, uh, you do have a number of guys that are going for more than like two and a half points above what they did the year prior. In fact, he actually has four players going for more than four points. Now, maybe you could say this for a lot of players, but if we're looking for something here positive to say about Kasiki in relation to where his ADP is, I think that would be one of the things that you could point to. Uh, I also do think it's possible that, uh, with some of the changes in New England, the proper context in which to frame Gasicki this year isn't really going to be factored into the tool here. Uh, So, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, But I'm not forcing him onto teams, but it's in a spot where it just seems to be happening. All right. We will have to reconsider uh, our aggression on uh, Mike Gasicki. It's not even, it's passive aggression, Right. In my That's case, true. it's passive aggression. Yeah, t- he he's just like you know, you know, you're growing up playing football on the side yard. You got an all time quarterback like Gesicki's our all time te three in our underdog builds this year, um, unfortunately. But we may need to spread that love out a little bit, include Jawan Johnson a little bit more, uh, based off of your your findings, Dave. You know, as we're kind of wrapping this series now, um, just want to thank you for your work. Uh, in this app, I mean, you know, all the writers, the content that's being produced on the back of of the work that this engine is doing, we really appreciate it. Hopefully, the listeners have enjoyed us talking about the positive outlooks for some of the key players in 2023 from a best ball perspective. We'll be back later this week, uh, you know, with all the latest, greatest fantasy analysis. And hey, who knows? Maybe even we'll be try on our bird dogs on the air. Oh, I can't wait. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.